What you doing? <laughs> You're gonna die. What? I'm ready. He texts me, can you make it four? I have to go to the pharmacy and pick up meds because I'm really sick. <laughs> what? This fucking between the two of you. He, I'm okay. I'm can, ready to just can you make it, quit. Can you make it for your time? I have to go to the pharmacy and fuck up my You're not but you don't sound ready up. either. I hear the fuck you're in the car. I hear the signal clicking. Yeah, two seconds here. I'm yeah, I'm ready this is, to go. Between the two two of you and the constant bullshit for two years with you, Been I really am sick the last couple of days. So ready to quit podcasting with you. I would <laughs> rat I I I can't. I don't even I'll kill you I do like I can't go to the pharmacy for him. I I just of course. Of course. And like I like I got shit to do and I like told somebody that my window was three to five and now we're not starting till four. Jesus Christ. Uh like I'm And he's sick. He's sick, which is the best part. Oh so I don't God. even know what that means. So I, I this so this is gonna be a productive podcast. I cannot I cannot wait. By the way, I'm recording this, I'm leaving this in too, because people need to understand my side of the shit show. That I'm not like exaggerating or or being hyperbolic when I talk about all your bullshit. And now your your you know, now your boys bullshit. You now your boys bullshit. I got I have the hard hitting questions for him. Yeah, did I you write them down or my, just float in your oh, head? Oh, buddy. Yeah, I listen. Not only that, my word association that we'll do at the end, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make him uncomfortable. Like, that's my goal is to make him, like, I want him to be so uncomfortable that, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to say. I mean, he may, he may baby face the whole thing. I mean, but, he sounds, uh, he sounds pretty sick. I mean, he may be blowing snot and shit out his ends. And uh, be totally uncomfortable through this whole thing, anyways, without us doing anything. So, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm the first name in word association is the first one I'm going for. I'm going for the jugular right away. Mm. I'm, I'm going for it. That's fine. And then the last one, I'm going to go right back to the jugular for the last one. Okay. Well, I uh, I'm going to keep drinking, so I may be a shit show by the time this podcast ends. Perfect. Because Perfect. I'm going to be drinking for another 45 minutes now waiting uh for him to be available and I don't understand uh, why he couldn't have gone to the pharmacy like what the fuck does he do all day but well that's the thing like again it's like with you here we are with another person that's just being a total doofus they knew there was a three o'clock thing they're feeling like shit it's not like you know they couldn't have gone a little earlier to make this fucking happen now well, I, i'd rather him honestly he should have just said hey i don't feel good today can we do it wednesday or something well, like, i'd rather him have said that he may he may not want that fucking blowback <laughs> when we fucking <laughs> spend the whole podcast just ripping him for scheduling this thing and not making it <laughs> yeah the pharmacy like pharmacy yeah. well for- and i talked to him like but i talked to him and he didn't even sound sick well like, you know sometimes you just get sick sometimes you're sick and don't sound sick i don't know what to tell you you know i don't know you know? said i've been really sick like i mean i think i would know if you're really sick yeah well i don't know i'm i'm not i i do i'm not nor do i claim to be a doctor or have any doctor's level knowledge so uh, we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll leave it at his word. Uh, and, uh, I guess 
And so I guess I'm calling. I'll call you a few minutes before four, and we'll try and grab him at four o'clock. Hold on. Let's see if he texted back because this is <laughs> no. Oh, I can't. I cannot win. I cannot win. Uh, one, uh, one unprofessional after another here. This whole fucking thing. The worst time, and he's and he's going. He's going. My time or your time? I said you're telling me what time. Well, I don't know what time. What my time? I guess my time for your. He's asking me mine or your time. We are not doing it his time four o'clock. I've been I've been prepping to go our time three o'clock. I'm not going his time four o'clock. He he gets bumped at that point. So uh, yeah, I, I I just gave him the. I just I just sent him back and said. Uh, four o'clock, fine. I said, like, you can like, be at four o'clock. I said, uh, you don't want to reschedule, do you? He won't know. Today is fine. Oh, all right. He he's so, he's a trooper. Yeah. That's probably him calling you. All right. Listen. Yeah. All right. So call me back. Yeah. 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 This is right, people. Goodbye. Do you see what I'm doing? Dealing with? Do yeah, you I, see I'm what I'm goodbye. dealing with? Yeah. This fucking guy. You sound like you're in the car. No, I'm not. But I, uh... Where are you? Don't worry about it. You're lying. This is unreal. I got my notes. Let me tell you something. Hold on. I'm going to tell you something. I I got called into work today and clearly was like, I have to be out. I have something to do. The whole... You're breaking up. I can't even hear you. You're driving around like an asshole. Kids, and I had, I lied for the sake of the podcast to get out of work today. Yeah, but you're driving around. You're like sh- half-assing it like a shit-ass. And There's I, no half-assing. I have a whole list of questions. Did you even prepare? You yeah. didn't even prepare for this. I got, I, got, I got all kinds of windows open on my browser, my friend. Oh, I'm so ready to go for this. You have no, he doesn't even but you're not even home. Is. You're not even home. I don't need to be home. Yeah, you do, cause you're gonna you broke up already. Like you're you're no, whatever. No, that wasn't me. I, I oh, oh no God. no no no. No, that was you, pal. No no no. No 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 no. People are gonna hear it, and when you cut out, it's you. It's not. I'm not cutting. It doesn't matter because once he starts talking, he's not gonna stop. This is gonna be the Howard Brody podcast after today. He's already warned me that. He warned me. You know, once you get me going, I'm not gonna shut up. Well, where are you? Why are you on the road? Because I'm, I'm driving. I'm stuck in traffic. Well, you weren't you home when I called you at three? No, I was working. I was done working. I got in the car. It's like I gotta go. Oh, I'm not buying any of this. You, I had a situation, bro. You can't go to work, bro. You're killing me. Pharmacy Fred over here kind of go to the pharmacy. So, hmm. all right. Well, well, fire it up. Let's uh, let's get the man, the myth, the legend on. Let's why don't you uh, dial him what up? Time is it here? Four oh two. Okay, I want to make sure because you know he can still be at. Oh you know, no! I've, his blood pressure check. I've already. I've spent three minutes giving you the business. Let's uh, let's get this on the road. Right, so how do I do this? You you call him and merge the calls. You've never done a three way right. call before. Here you Jesus go. You ready? Christ! This amateur hour. If I had his number, I'd do it. But it, this is this is your your bag, buddy. 
see if he can pull this off. I apologize for amateur hour people. This is, I mean, why apologize? It's been two and a half years of amateur hour. Why would, why would it be any different now? I think he hung up on me, to be honest with you. What's going on here? No, nope, I'm still just waiting. Where's this guy? Uh, are we merged? You there? I'm, I'm here. Uh, he's a little under the weather today, so. All right. Can you hear me? You good? Uh, I can hear you. Ah. No, it sounds a little muffled. I mean, Man, are you there? That's 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 Anthony's equipment. Uh, I'm here. Okay. All right. All right. The man, the myth, the legend. We've talked about him many times on this podcast. The uh, promoter, author, entrepreneur, the legend himself, Howard Brody, is here for the furlough files. It's very exciting. I'm gonna let Anthony take the lead on this, and then I'm gonna jump in at some point. Uh, I'm gonna have Anthony so, take the lead. Anthony <laughs> never leads anything. Uh, here we go already. We're two minutes in. This, I, no, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, I, I carried Vito Lagrasso for a long time. So. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we, we've talked about you on the show. Just so you know, we uh, we tell a lot of wrestling stories. Ring of course, you do. My, of course. course. You got to make jokes at my expense. Come on now. Right. I mean, look, the whole the whole world knows about the, the text message, the rib with Jackie. So I, I greatest, go right into greatest that. Rib, have to greatest rib ever. That. Let's let's start with that because that's the greatest rib ever. So yeah. I'm sitting here in my Vegas apartment one day, and I get well, you probably told the story right. So I get a text message from Jackie, and it's a pair of balls. Pair of testicles. Mm-hmm. I said, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all over this guy. And then he tells me, oh, it's not me. It's Ben Temples. Ben Temples. That son of a bitch. I'm going to kick his ass when I see him. So, so let me jump in here. What happened was, I think you had tried to call Jackie while he was here at my house with a bunch of people. We were watching a pay-per-view. And, right. It was a pay-per-view day. Absolutely. And yeah. he, he no-sold you. And then I think you tried to call again. And I I uh, grabbed the phone and said, I'm going to text him a picture of my balls. Because I knew that aside from the rib of sending you a picture of my balls, it was going to freak Jackie out that it was coming from him on his phone. It was as much a rib on Jackie as it was a rib on you. So I grab his phone before he could do anything. And I run into my room, into my bathroom. Before I could even reach into my pants... I turn to my right and my friend Rob's son, Ben, who's you know 22 years old, but I call him, you know, you know, he's still a kid to me. He's like, here, right, just right. take these. And he already has like he's grabbed his sack and squeezed it where they're popped up above his fist like two scoops of basket robins, you know, and he's squeezing them so the skin is tight. It's nice and veiny. And I go, I had the phone, the camera I had pulled. All I had done is pulled the camera app up. So instead of bothering with my, listen, there's balls already out. There's no reason to bring two men's balls out in the bathroom together. So I just swing the camera over. I snap his balls. Now, mind you, his name is also Ben. So technically you got Ben's balls either way. 
<laughs> That's funny as shit. And uh, oh. I, I and then that was my end of it. And I'm laughing, and Jackie is mortified. Like, Earl Mitchell's there. Uh, Blake's there. I'm doing it just to pop the room. Ja- Jessica's there. And, and I know Jackie is fucking mortified. Plus, it's, you know, it's I'm ribbing you, too. I sent you balls. I mean, you know. And I just remember the fallout. You got, like, until you, like like settled into the fact that it was a good rib. You were outraged. Oh, I was absolutely apoplectic about it. <laughs> I was so mad. You were I messaging so other people. I, you were like, you were like, you're on tilt. Oh, I, was, I, was, I was absolutely out of my mind because I thought it was the most like disrespectful thing. <laughs> so, especially Jackie's, Jackie, of course, you know, I know him since he's a little kid. He's feigning innocent. Oh, it's not me. It's you know, it's not the whole world as everybody else. So, right, but I'm, I'm but it's kind of like I'm, it's kind of like Brer Rabbit, where it's like, don't throw me in the briar pit. It's like, no, don't take picture of your balls with my phone. It's like if you really wanted to stop me, he could have crashed the party. You know what I mean? Well, of, of course. Well, look. <laughs> so what ends up happening is I'm down in South Florida visiting uh, for work, and I end up at Le Tub. With, uh, well, of course, with Billy Fives, because, you know, it wouldn't oh, be the top without Billy Fives there. That sounds like so it would still Billy... be Snake Master days, too. <clears throat> well, we don't want to get into Snake Master right now, because I'll, I'll go off on the tangent about that. That's a whole other, that's a whole other story. So, so it's, of course, it's, and, and Jeff is there, but it's, but it's Billy and, it's, I, re- I remember and the social media, I remember the social media pictures. And yeah, and what happened was, you know, uh, Jackie's egging me on about the ball pictures. Right. So I said, like, if I ever see Ben, I'm going to fucking wring his neck. I'm going to fucking kill him. So, so Billy's like, no, you won't. And I go, yeah, I will. And then, of course, somebody, somebody's grabbing the cell phone, trying to take video of me saying I'm going to beat your ass. Oh, I saw it. We put it. So, it's well, in one right. of our, it's in one of our vlogs. Out, it's in one of our vlogs. And then I find out. I think it was either that night or the next day or something that it wasn't you, that it wasn't you, that it wasn't your balls, and it was and and really, you know, Jackie was just prolonging this thing. Yeah, it's like son of a bitch, <laughs> you know. And then, like, you stop and you think back and you realize how funny of a rib it was, and you kind of like, okay, you know, haha, you got me, you know. And then, of course. I started with all the peach jokes and all of that shit. Did so? Did, but I, I, to I me, that was like, remember, though. But the thing that I the, the reason you, you were going to punch Ben Tatum, like, I think that's <laughs> well, the, 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 I was at, at that time. I was absolutely meant it, but <laughs> but the thing about it is like, <laughs> what you know? Once you take a step back and you disassociate yourself, <laughs> and you allow some time to get in between it. You, you realize how funny the damn thing is and what kind of a fool you sounded like by saying, yeah, I'm going to piece the guy up. I'm going to kick his ass. I'm, you know, because it's like an idiot, Howard. Is there a real so victim shut, in this? It's a victimless so, crime, so, you know? So, so shut the fuck up, Howard, and just take the joke and <laughs> move on. You know, and that's kind of what you have to do. You know, <clears throat> the greatest rib that was ever pulled on me was done by a guy by the name of Mark Corluzzo at the NWA 50th anniversary show. And I was hot for years because of this. So Mark uh, 
you know, whose whose dad was Dennis Corluzzo, great promoter from the NWA, mm-hmm. and and actually kept the thing alive um, to get me involved. Goes ahead and gets these business cards made uh, for the NWA 50th with a little. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever seen these like uh, 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 like black owned beauty parlors, you know, like. Uh, uh, Sure. And they have like this little mannequin heads and, and on the, uh, so it's a little black beauty swan mannequin head with my name on it and, it, and my real phone number on it. <laughs> and it says Howard Brody or Howdy Brody, chief shit stirrer or something like that. I promote one show a year and like all of this negative shit. So Mark plasters this thing. All over the hotel that we're doing the NWA 50th anniversary at, he puts them in the elevators. He puts them in the men's restroom on the urinals. He's putting them on the, like, everywhere that you go, you see, you see this fucking business card that is, like, poking 100% fun at me, but it has my real phone number on it. I'm getting hot because it has my real phone number on it. I'm married at the time. You don't want shit like, you know, you don't want people calling you out. And doing shit like that. I was so mad. I was so angry at him. And, and of course, I accused Dennis. And Dennis is like, I don't know nothing about it. And of course, Dennis knew everything about it. Because he told Mark to make the damn thing. And, but that was actually the greatest rib that was ever pulled on me. Um, and, and it took me years to get over that. And I look back now, it's like, like to me, it's just like, you know, it's great. It's, you know, it's fun. And it's, and it's part, did you get any, part of the, did you get any part of the business. I'm sorry. Did anybody call? Did anybody call? No, you? nobody had no. Nobody had the balls to call. Oh, that's. <laughs> yeah, you say you say Dennis, and I always think of uh, I always think of the of you and him and Cornette in the ring at Raw. Uh, what was that? Yeah, like? that was ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere around there. That was um, yeah, that was in January ninety eight. It was actually physically we did it in December ninety seven. But it aired January '98. Gotcha. Because that was the year we did the NWA 50th. What's funny yeah. is I, I like there's like a there's like a classic picture of you standing there, and I think I think it was right. you or Dennis holding the I think Dennis was holding the belt. And, Dennis was holding the belt, and I was holding my jacket. And Corny's because, Corny's on the mic, and yeah, I, well, they wouldn't let us talk. I re- no way they were going to ever let us talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember there was a tweet, and, and I think it was like three or four years ago. And I'm go- I'm totally paraphrasing this, but it was a tweet with that picture, and it said uh, something like, "When I'm watching anything for the Attitude Era, I have to have one tab open for the video, and another to find a podcast to explain why the fuck it was happening." And it just happened to use yeah. that circumstance, that moment in time, which I th- I always I like. It's so funny that I I even remember it to this day, like. Eight to four or five years later. Well, it was it was a strange thing that happened. It, it's it's something, you know. I was on Jeff Jarrett's podcast not too long ago, explaining how the whole thing came about, and it was like everybody thought it was like this real quick, quick thing, and it was actually something that took place over time, where I'd been trying to get the WWE to do business with the NWA, right. and it just never really materialized, and when I was with Hero Matsuda and we were doing Ring Warriors, I had met Vince in, um, well, I had met him before. 
but but I actually sat down with him and had a conversation with him in New Orleans at one of the Nappy conventions. And, you know, there was like um, this reduction of friction because <laughs> like the year before, like been threatened like to sue us um, over the use of the name. And this was like this whole long drawn out thing. Right. But, but basically it, it was like a mutual, um, you know, there was like, there was no more heat there. Let's put it that way. Right. So it kind of opened up the door to allow us to be able to do some business. And, you know, if not, if Vince didn't put us on TV, the, the NWA would have been dead because we, we had already agreed to put a bullet in it to, to make it go away. So did that, uh, so, but, did, was that effective right. in, uh, well, in prolonging things? Oh yeah. Once we got on TV, all these, all these local promoters all over the country started contacting us. They wanted to become part of the NWA. That's what actually was the rebirth. If we don't go on television, NWA is done. That's got, there would be no NWA today. It's it's. I feel like it's way more effective back then when they had way more like viewers than you do today. When like a when a guy wrestles once or twice on WWE TV today and then promotes himself to all the indies for the next six to six to eighteen months as seen on WWE. At least you well, guys. At least you guys actually got a benefit out of being on WWE because they actually had a rating number back then. Well, it was it was a different type of it was a different scenario. Yeah, like we when we went on there, they used the name to uh, say. So here's the thing: they were going to give this fictitious title to Jeff Jarrett. Instead, they decided to use the NWA North American title. Now, at the time, the NWA North American title was actually on um, Tom Carter, uh, Reckless Youth. So we had to take it off. So we had to take it off to him. We gave him like a national title or something like that. Uh, we let them use the the uh, North American title. They, they, you know, there was no way we were going to give them the world title. Because Dan Severn had that. And Dan was still working all over the place. He was a UFC champion still at the time. <clears throat> so we weren't going to, uh, you know, we weren't going to pull the strap off to him. Right. And we also knew that Dan was in negotiating to go work for WWE. So at the time, it's like, look, Dan, if you do that, make sure you bring the WWE title with you. We'll make a we'll make an arrangement with them where they can use the title you know, use the NWA name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's basically, that's basically what happened. And it was, and it was still WWF at the time, wasn't WWE yet. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what happened. So we made a deal with, with um, World Wrestling Federation. Um, we gave, we gave Jeff the North American title and he defended on TV for a couple of months and the thing ran its course. Um, a lot of people thought it was a piece of crap angle. You know, and probably for TV, it wasn't the greatest thing. But for the National Wrestling Alliance, from our perspective at the time, it kind of saved the organization. Like I said, it got us notoriety. People started watching. Uh, other promoters, you know, thought that there was going to be a benefit. So they, you know, they got on board and became members of the organization. And it kind of kept the thing alive. Right. So, And really, the last, the last involvement was probably right after the NWA 50th. You know, we had a lot of talent at the NWA 50th, a lot of uh, WWF talent. We had the whole dojo there. Dory, Dory was, uh, Dory Funk Jr. Uh, had the uh, WWF dojo, they called it. Um, and so everybody who was at the dojo was actually on our anniversary shows. You had Kurt Angle and Christian and Tess and uh, Edge and oh, wow. Andrew Martin and 
um, or I think that was Tess. <laughs> um, right. Let's see, you had Tiger Ali singing Babu, our friend. Uh, Babu. Oh, Babu. Babu. Um, Steve Carino, and I think, uh, I think Devin Storm was on that as well. So a lot of talent. Uh, Steve Williams, Dr. Death Steve Williams. Right. Uh, but of wow. course, the big thing was, was Kurt Angle. Oh, I remember the giant, uh, giant Silva. He was also on, on the card. So a lot of, of talent. So plus we had our NWA contingent and we had like, uh, uh, we did this special thing with Cauliflower Alley. So we, so we had people like Freddie Blassie there and Harley Race and Danny Hodge. I mean, we had some like amazing, people from NWA history at the event and, and the WWF helped us with, with a lot of that. Um, so it was really, it was really kind of a cool event and you know, there've been anniversary shows since then. Um, but I don't think any one of them came up to what the 50th was. That was like a real special thing. Right. Now what, what, what happened the night in, when you're at WWF in the ring, uh, you were telling me this the other day, what happened with, uh, Stone Cold was coming out, right? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So we knew we were going to uh, do the thing with, with Jeff, and Jeff's going to win the title. And uh, they made the decision that afterwards that Steve Austin, uh, they were doing this thing where Steve Austin was attacking everybody who was going to be in the Royal Rumble coming up. So the thing was, like, he was going to be enemies with everybody. So even though Jeff would win the title, Steve Austin would come out, and basically give him the stunner, right, uh, while he's doing his strut. So basically we were told, like, listen, as soon as Austin comes out, get the hell out of the ring. Because if you're in the ring, he's got to grab you, and you got to take the stunner from him. <laughs> so it's like, well, there's no way that this fucking guy is getting the stunner. So, so we're in the ring, and we're raising his hand. And all of a sudden... I see Dennis running one way and I see Cornette running the other way and I'm realizing Austin's sitting in the ring. I went, all I did is I looked straight ahead, <laughs> went past Jeff and literally did a lucha plancha drive right through the top and middle rope <laughs> onto the floor, landed on my feet and ran up and ran up the, uh, ran up the rampway. Would you, would you say that's one of the most athletic things you ever did? <laughs> I probably I hurt my leg. My leg has never been the same since that day. <laughs> but but it's true. I, I I literally jumped out of that ring. I was scared to death because there was no way I was taking a bump from the guy. No, not happening. That's so I, I went back and watched it. You literally did like a suicide dive through the room. <laughs> That's how fast you went. I'm sorry. True story. You did a suicide dive through the ropes. It looked like. You yeah, pretty much. Full force through the ropes, like right between the top and the bottom middle rope. Yeah, I did to, uh, to get the hell out of there. And what I did is, I, yeah. uh, on my way down, like after I went through the two ropes, I grabbed onto it to make sure that I had some balance. So when I hit the ground, you know, I would land on my feet. <laughs> and I ended up afterwards, though, I had to come back down to the ring to help Jeff Jarrett up and back out. So. Uh, but it was that was an interesting it was an interesting night. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> that was a very interesting night because how it started. Well, first of all, I didn't have my jacket. I ended up having to wear Kerrigan's jacket to the ring. That was like an old jacked up oh. night. So. We talked about Ring Warriors and uh, you know obviously Ring Warriors. 
I was a part of it towards the end. But what, tell us the history of Ring Warriors. When did it start? How did it start? Oh, Jesus. Well, okay. So, without boring people to death, uh, even though they don't have Reader's Digest, I don't think anymore. I'll try to give the Reader's Digest version, which is the, the cliff short notes. version. The so, notes. the Cliff Notes version. Here we go. So, so in the early 90s, uh, I started doing a wrestling project with Hiro Matsuda, uh, where we basically took New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, videotapes from um, TV Asahi, who was our partner. And, and New Japan was kind of a partner, but they really weren't. It was the TV network that owned all their footage. That was our partners. So we got all the footage from TV Asahi, but we had to give a percentage to New Japan. And we repackaged the show. And we repackaged it as World Superstars of Wrestling. Uh, and at the beginning, we had Craig DeGeorge, which, uh, of course, for those living in South Florida, Craig Minervini, who does a lot of the Marlins. Marlins and game. Hanson's. Yeah. yeah, does everything. Um, so Craig... Uh, he did play-by-play until Alba Harbertings did our color commentary. So for six months, we called it World Superstars of Wrestling. In the interim, we got this marketing company to get involved with us, and they said, you know what? Uh, World Superstars of Wrestling sounds like World Championship Wrestling. It sounds like World Wrestling Superstars. You know, come up with a different name. So we did some we did some research, and we did some uh um, some different things, and we came up with the name Ring Warriors, and it was based on a book that Hiro Matsuda was reading at the time, which was called like Way of the Warrior, about the samurais. Um, so we just kind of took the warrior name and we used Ring for you know wrestling ring, and, and we created a different type of name for it, um, and that's how we became Ring Warriors. And then at the time, we also uh, Gordon Soley retired from uh, WCW and became available, um, and we switched over. So uh, we actually went from Craig to George. We got Gordon Soli to become our full-time play-by-play guy. So basically, we were taking these New Japan tapes and re-editing them and Americanizing them and making our own brand out of them. And we would take matches that had nothing to do with each other, and we'd make our own storylines and everything. It's kind of interesting. What year year was this? Uh, 92, 93, 94. Okay. Um, and then uh, the plan was to actually bring it to the States and we were going to shoot our own stuff. Um, and then Hero, uh, you know, Hero got sick uh, a couple of years later. Uh, and, you know, we were doing this for a while. So by 99, uh, yeah, we were doing this solid for like three, four years. Um, and then we streamlined, and then by like 99, Hero started getting sick, uh, and we kind of canceled all the plans. We were actually going to move to England and do the show in England with all like American and European talent under the name Ring Warriors, but it never came about when Hero got sick and died. I kept the name, and... I kind of held on to it, and really nothing was done for years and years and years until uh, Paul Jones, our buddy Paul, wanted to run some shows. So it's like, okay, well, what do you want to call it? He says, well, he goes, what about using the Ring Warriors that you, you know, used before? So it's like, yeah, I guess we could, and that's that's kind of when we rejoined the NWA, and um, 
We started running in 2011 at the Armory in Fort Lauderdale under the name NWA Ring Warriors. Um, and we ran there until uh, Larry and myself bought Paul out, and then we got in a different partner and then decided to ditch TV, and you know, we kind of went in a different direction. Did you guys... Did you guys leave NWA or did NWA just kind of? Oh, no, no. We left, <laughs> we left the NWA in a blaze. Like, I'm the only guy that quit the NWA twice. So, like, I quit the NWA in, I quit the NWA in 2001 when I resigned. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the NWA 53rd, I was getting a lot of personal shit going on. And so I left the organization. I thought it would be able to help my marriage and stuff, and it didn't. Um, and there were a lot of people that were mad at me for a really long time. So I rejoined the NWA in like 2011, uh, before we were going to have the, the show at the Armory. Um, and we incorporated the NWA name in Tarabogo and everything. Um, and then we actually quit when there was this whole thing with La Rosa Negra and, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Carlisle. Can't think of her first name. She was the um, Casey, the women's champion. Casey Carlisle. Yeah. yeah. So she was the NWA ladies champion, and we had we had made an agreement with Bruce Tharp, who was the NWA president at the time, that we would do this deal where we would have Rosa win the title in South Florida. And then we would actually pay for her and Casey to go around the horn to different promoters. The promoters wouldn't even have to pay for this. And do like a whole series of matches between Rosa and Casey. And then eventually Casey would get the title back. So Rosa would have a short run with the title and defend it against Casey. And then Casey would take the title back. So on the night we were supposed to do the title switch... Bruce doesn't want to do it. He changes his mind and says, no, we're not going to do this. And this, Now, the only reason we booked Casey is because he agreed to do this. Otherwise, Casey's not going to bring in anybody else. He's not going to bring in another person to do this. And this was going to be at the, uh, the Jingle Bells uh, show, the all-girls show that we did in Hollywood at the uh, that little... Um, uh, 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 you know that little club that we used to do in Hollywood? That FOW used to run. I can't forget the name of it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The club? The VFW Hall. The VFW. Hall. VFW oh, yeah, the yeah, VFW. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So so we, we, we did the show there. So, so Casey comes out now, and she says, like, well, you know, uh, you know, Bruce told me not to you know, put Rosa over. So I looked at Casey, and I said, I'll tell you what. I said, here's the deal. I said, you don't have to defend your NWA title tonight. I said, we'll put up the Battling Bombshells title. You will come out and you will put over Rosa one, two, three in the middle of the ring. We won't even mention you as the NWA champion, but you'll be the challenger for her title. And then you'll go home. You're going to get your payday. You're going to go home and we're going to be done with it. And she's like, well, I'm not going to do that. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, then you can get in a cab right now and go back to your hotel room. You're not getting paid. 
I'm not, you're never going to be booked again. And I'm going to make sure everybody knows how difficult you were to deal with. So, so you got two choices. You can go in and do good business and get your payday, or you can get into the, or you can get into the cab, go back to your hotel room, fly home, do whatever the hell you want to do. I said because um, you won't be booked. You know, you're not going to get it. And she agreed to go in and put Rose over, and that's what we did. Well, they really—they—that's yeah. I mean, they already—they'd already pulled the rug out from under you in terms of the NWA title. At least she, the least she could do, you know, with no right, with no real stakes, is is put Rosa well, over. I mean, come on. Well, yeah. So, so what ended up happening basically is she did, you know, she did, she did her business. She went home, you know, um, and then I grabbed the microphone and I effectively withdrew our company at the end of the show. From the NWA, and basically, I cut a promo in the ring saying that I wasn't going to be dictated to by an attorney or anybody else telling me how to run my business. Right. Because that's what it came down to. It was Bruce Starr who had agreed. Bruce had agreed to to the title change. He agreed to the terms of what we were what we had proposed, and I went by his word, and he went back on his word. Once he went back on his word, fuck the guy. Right, you know, he has no his he has no his word means nothing to me anymore. Especially, I mean, he, especially day like basically day of. I mean, if he two weeks out, where you could do something about it. You well, know. I would have changed the match. I would have can't. I would have right. canceled her. I wouldn't have right. booked her. Like I said, Casey Carlisle wasn't going to sell one more ticket. I mean, the reality is, well, uh, the, the reality is, the NWA name really did not hold without television, without being on TV for so long. It was more or less a thing. Uh, it was a passion, kind of like a passion project, right? We joined the NWA, NWA because it was uh, good to have, but it wasn't gonna. It wasn't going to generate any more ticket sales. The only time it really meant anything is when I booked Adam Pierce on the WrestleMania Week show, uh, and we had the Ring of Honor people on the show as well. That's the only time the NWA name really meant something for us. Uh, on on our events that we did, and and quite frankly, even if we didn't have the NWA name attached to it, uh, we probably would have had the same sellout because we were the first event that WrestleMania week. Right. And who else was on that show? Was Vader on that show or no? The on the one. WrestleMania week show? No, no, no. It was. I remember Adam um, Pierce. I couldn't remember who else was on that. We show. had Adam Pierce was against Adam Cole was the was the main event. Uh, Santee against Titan. Santee won the Ring Warriors Grand Championship that night. That was the final. Right. Uh, uh, Bordell Walker worked against Billy Gunn. I had, uh, we had Gangrel and Kevin Sullivan against, um, who the hell did they work against? They worked against, um, Cassidy Riley and Moose Madison. We had, um, EC3 on the card against Stevie Richards. Um, we had the mixed tag with Christina Von Erie and Jesse Neal against Jason Rance and Santana Garrett. That's a match. Um, <laughs> Anthony, I think well, you were on the card. Weren't you on the card? Yeah, I work. Did I work Babu or did I work? No, I think you were. I think you worked Pablo on a different show. I think I worked Beast that show, didn't I? No, you were at least that first show and the first show, <laughs> right? 
Right. Yeah, we had all the kids and they all ran away when Beast came out with the chain. That was pretty funny, actually. Right. right. Um, right. Yeah, and, God, it's been so long. I, I don't remember. And I know we had, uh, that's, oh, that's the card we had, uh, the three-way tag team match. We had the Headbangers against um, the Russians, managed by Adam Barasano and Ivan Koloff. We had Koloff on the card. Uh, against, um, let me, let me jump in uh, here. What, 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 what gimmick was Adam doing with Russians? Oh, no, he was just their, he was their manager. That's all. He was just, I'm just, I, that was to pop Anthony because that kid has no range. He's, he's got one, <laughs> he's a one note. Yeah, guy, but, 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 but what he does is he does, what he does, he does very, very well. He though. does. Uh, he you does. Got, you you got to give him that. And and of course the third team was the Dark City Fight Club, so that was the that was the three way John Davis uh, and Corey the three, Davis, the, yeah. the three the three way tag. So we had a pretty packed show talent wise on that show, and then we had yeah, in the audience we had guys from Ring of Honor. Um, you know, um, Teddy Long came down to the show. Um, um, Mickey, oh God, Mickey J. God bless his soul. He came down to the show that night. Um, of course, you know, Cornette kept his promo. We had Chance. Oh, and that was the night we had the blow off match between, um, uh, Chance Prophet and, uh, Tokyo Monster Cahagas, uh, which was, a, right. which was a build up over three shows. And that was, that was actually a really good feud between those two. So we had the, we had a pretty packed house, you know, pretty packed card. Always had, a, always had a lot of really good talent in our shows. You did. I agree. Uh, you did. Your, your shows always did. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, so let's talk about the important part for the Ring Warriors, and that is when you decided to create the Flambinos. But you told me something the other day that I'd never heard before. There was an original group of Flambinos you had thought of before. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, okay. So ba- back in the day, you had. Um, you had um, the two guys that worked for WWE, okay? Um, it was uh, Romeo Roselli and, um, God, what was his tag team partner's name at WWF? Um, oh, they were Romeo Roselli, the Heartthrobs. Yeah, the Heartthrobs, but what was, his, what was the tag team partner's name? Um, it was Romeo Roselli and... Oh, and Antonio uh, Thomas. It was Antonio Thomas, right. Okay, so they had just left the WWE. So I was actually putting together uh, television. I was writing a script for this guy in England who wanted to shoot TV, and I was uh, putting some stuff together. And and I came up with the idea of the the concept of the Slambinos. And the the Slambinos were going to be Romeo Roselli and Antonio Thomas and Frankie Chiazzo. And, but he wasn't going to be Frankie Castle. Uh, he was just going to be Frankie the Thumb. <laughs> uh, and, and that was the whole, you know, we were going to have, it was going to be a three gimmick. And actually, stereotype, their mission. Stereotype Italian group. Absolutely. 100%. Right. So ideally, though, this was going to be, this was going to be a little different because their goal was going to be to clean up wrestling. And they were going to be taking their orders from the Godfather. And the Godfather, people would never see except for one time at the very end. 
and that was going to be Bruno San Martino, who was basically fed up with the wow. way wrestling was being portrayed, and Bruno was the godfather of wrestling, the, of course, being the Italian, right? The so ultimate guys out there, the ultimate Italian, right. not as, not as a heel, but kind of as a straight up babyface trying to save wrestling, right? That was the, that was the whole concept behind it. So the Slampinos were originally supposed to be like a babyface. So the, the the way I came up with the name was basically was the Gambino family, <laughs> but something to do with wrestling. And, you know, I started like going through different moves and it was like, you know, like it was a slam, slam, Bino, Gambino, oh, slam, Bino. That's how the name came about. It's pr- it might be your greatest uh creation Creation? like idea creation like like it's very like like vince mcmahon would be jealous of this the way it's like you said it's it's gambino it's wrestling you put the slam in there like it's 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 very inspired it's it was a natural it was a natural fit like like once you heard it it was like how come nobody else how about how come nobody else came up with this exactly like something's wrong like it should have been around already yeah, exactly. So when we started doing Ring Warriors, I knew immediately the first two guys I wanted to put together was, was Frankie and Vito. Because I always felt Vito had that, he had that presence about him. I, I didn't like the idea of the dress. Although the dress could work in a certain aspect of what we wanted to do. But I always liked the idea behind Vito as the legitimate, you know, guy from New York, which he was from Staten Island, you know, he was like the legit kind of tough guy. And Frankie was kind of, I won't say a Vito knockoff, because he wasn't. He always did his own thing. But a lot of people looked at them as being kind of like the same character. So it's like, you know what? These guys really belong together. They really do. And he, fits, he definitely fits more of the Stooge level guy. Right. Say that again. I'm sorry about this. What was that he, about the Stooge he, level? I think he definitely fits more of the Stooge level type of Italian mafia guy. You know, if if absolutely if Vito's like uh, the boss, this guy's the yes yes sir kind of guy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if, if you would think about it, like one guy being like the capo and the other guy being like the foot soldier, the right? trigger man, the foot soldier. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I thought that would work well. Now, how Anthony came about it being in it. Anthony wasn't AJ Genazzo yet. And he was still he was still wrestling as Tommy Vandal. And I started having a conversation with Anthony about his Italian background. And he told me about his grandfather who was a boxer. I said, well what did he box? He goes, he he boxed under his real name, Genazzo. So it's like, well, you know what? Anthony, why don't you be AJ, which is, you know, Anthony Jeanette, you know, Anthony Gennetti. And let's use your grandfather's last name, Genazzo, and you will be AJ Genazzo. And he loved it. And and at the time, Anthony, you can kind of, you know, you can uh, kind of step up and fill in the gap here. You know, you were kind of done with like the whole wrestling thing. Like this kind of gave new life to you. Please, he's been done in the business. times. Right. Please, I was done. I did not want to wrestle anymore. I was done. I was out of shape. But when you called and told me that, I thought the idea was so great that I started training again. I started getting back in shape, and uh, I, I loved the idea of it because it was something different and cool, and I loved the name and the whole idea you had around it. Uh, 
yeah, I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, no, it like kind of rejuvenated me for a couple of years. I know the one thing you absolutely hated about it <laughs> is the nickname that I gave you. Yes. Which, yes. which was Bootsy. Which was, which was Bootsy. <laughs> and Bootsy. the idea... The idea was the guy gave such a great flying drop kick that he would knock you out with his boots. <laughs> you know how you know how you know Italian hitmen all have a uh, you know nickname. Yeah. You know uh, Frankie the Thumb and right. uh, whatever the hell it was. You know. Um, and I actually gave one to Vito too, and I don't remember what Vito's was, but it was Fra- it was Frankie the Thumb, AJ Bootsy, uh, AJ Bootsy Genazzo, um and uh, I don't remember what Partidos was, but it was something. It was something else, also. But everybody kind of got into the character, and and you know, they, there was a lot of. Uh, it's an iteration. I think that was the best iteration of it. Now, when we did this taping out in Vegas, there <laughs> we go. Okay, now we couldn't we couldn't use Vito because Vito was going through the whole lawsuit with WWE. You know, so. Even though he wanted to be involved, I just, and Vito's a friend of mine, I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't risk it. God forbid he would get hurt and we don't be up to all sorts of lawsuits. So I could not do that. So instead we got, uh, we got Disco, Glenn Gilbernetti, your buddy, Ben. Yeah. Ben's <laughs> buddy. Um, but he was great. In the role that he was as the manager, he was absolutely fantastic. And, and he brought, he, he kind of brought a different type of level to the Slampinos team, and he allowed both Frankie and Anthony to really shine in the promos. And that was actually the best part of their uh, of, of their chemistry. I feel like I feel like, and this is from my outside perspective and watching, but also talking to AJ, was that I feel like Anthony always tried to be to make it more comedic, and Vito resisted it and. Right. And once Vito was out and Disco was in, it became just straight Italian comedy. Well, well, well what happened actually, though? Yeah, but, but here's what happened. Was, during, yeah. yeah, during the first taping, Vito kind of controlled that. And when Anthony told me he was not comfortable with that, I, I went back to Vito. Go, listen, you can't all be Vito. I said everybody's got to be their own person. You've got to let them be themselves. And so when we did the second taping in South Florida, we basically cut Anthony loose. It's like you be you. This was this was at and the, that's when he, at the old and cra- that's when he shined at the old yeah, Crazy Horse, the, right where uh, that club was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, club Cinema, correct? Yeah, right, right. Club Cinema. That was a yeah, cool place. And yeah, and and um, no, and Anthony and Anthony shone. You know, he really shined because. He, he broke out. He cut promos. We, we did, I remember we did this, we did this locker room scene before them, you know, talking about, um, uh, talking about New Jack and, and his guys and how there was going to be like this, um, you know, friction between the two factions. And, and Anthony just like kind of rose above everybody in, in, an on-camera promo type, and he really came into his own, and his character really came out. Uh, and it was great. And it was great to see. In other words, it weren't going to be 
you know, three clones of Vito LaGrasso. Right. Which is, which is right. what, which is where it was heading and we didn't want that. So, you know, Frankie developed his thing and Anthony developed his and Vito kept his. And that was the best, you know, that was kind of the, like the best reaction that we had. Right. And, and I'll say, I like, I mean, I liked working with Vito, you know, obviously it was okay. But <clears throat> when we went to Vegas and we did it with Glenn and uh, Glenn was kind of like, you know, he, he was like, yeah, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, he was way easier to work with. That was so comfortable. And uh, the promos that we did back in the back, the pre-tapes and stuff, that, those were fantastic. And we really didn't even discuss them. It was just me, Frankie, and Disco and Glenn just kind of playing off each other in the moment. And, like, we nailed them. And they were so funny. And we didn't even really, like, prep for it. We just well, you, went there and did it. But Glenn was so well, you, easy, you know, to you, work with. You used to say how uh, Vito micromanage you to the point of how you oh yeah how yeah, you yeah. taped your wrists etc cetera, etc cetera, well that was an ongoing yeah that was an ongoing that was an ongoing joke but yeah but again there's something to mind you know Vito wasn't doing it to be controlling Vito was doing the things that he was taught to try to make the show a better show so right. one thing I will always say about the people on our roster like nobody ever out to try to be bigger than it was. There, there was always a contributing factor of, look, you know, I'm trying to help these guys because they haven't been on TV, you know, and, and that was Vito's mindset. And I got nothing against that. Okay. The only thing was he was unrealistic or I won't even say unrealistic. Unknowingly, he was being restrictive of guys that needed to develop their own characters. And, right. and that's and that's what ended well, up happening. It, so so it, once yeah. once you kind of let that loose, Anthony and Frankie were able to develop their own characters a little bit better. Right. I think. I mean, we're being right. we're being kind of Vito. I think a little bit because I know, like Anthony said, that Vito <laughs> Vito tried to like go behind him to get him removed, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that I have. He didn't my... want me to do it. He didn't want me to do it. Right. He was like, no, he didn't want him to do it after after Vito couldn't do it. He didn't want him. To do it. Right. And, and it's, not, it's not like he tried getting Anthony to. removed when he when he was in the midst of doing it. Vito was very supportive of the group that I put together. But but it, and like he, even he called me and said, "Don't do it." Even Vito and I had a falling out in terms of like because me and right. me and Disco were having our. Are which to this day we still do. If you go on Twitter two days ago, we do a back and forth troll. Uh, we've been trolling each other for over a decade. Uh, uh, I, you know, birthed out of a Jackie thing. But uh, you know, Vito didn't understand the way it worked. And where Vito and I are playfully trolling each other, Vito wants to get involved, even in my thing with Disco. And he just would go on and start just saying mean things about me. He didn't understand the nuance of the fun of trolling each other. He thought it was like, well, let me just attack the motherfucker. And I'm like, Vito doesn't get it. He's blocked because this is it. He's ruining the fun of this thing by not understanding the thing. He didn't realize that it was, it was all good fun. Right. He took it. He took it as being a shit. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. And in that regard, he was defending his friend. Yeah. So in that regard, you can't knock the guy. No, but but, but I had to eliminate him. I, I had to eliminate him from the equation 
which I think is yeah. is kind of he ended up being eliminated from this Slambino equation as well uh, through one reason or another, <laughs> which was also that he was suing the WWE at the time. Well, no, well he was he was suing WWE, but that was like a whole different thing, and that had no that really look the only the reason he was taken out of the Slambino's equation was because I couldn't put somebody on TV who potentially could, even as a manager, go out there and invariably accidentally get, because you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen at ringside. Right. Somebody comes, takes a tumble out of the ring, they end up smacking into you, you fall, you hit your head. I didn't want to, I didn't want to take a chance. And he understood that. And he, and he really, at first he was very upset about it, but he understood and he never held it against me. Look, I'll, I'll, let me just say this about Vito Lagrasso. Because it's real easy to knock somebody. Vito LaGrasso is one of the few people that when there was nothing at stake for him, when he had zero to gain, when there was nothing to be gained, Vito LaGrasso would be in touch with me on a regular basis as a friend. Right. Okay? He would call. He would text. We would talk. No promise of any TV shows. Nothing on the horizon. Nothing. Even after 2018, after we... When nothing was going to come about, he never asked for a job, never asked for anything, always kept in touch with me as a friend. And there are very, very few people that do that. And that, and to me, Vito LaGrasso, you know, he may be this and he may be that, but he's a, but he's a stand-up guy, and I stand behind him. You talk really me on every social media because I, I did the Ring Warriors. Like, well, you did the Ring Warriors because... Everything. <laughs> well, then you should call the guy and have a conversation with him. Yeah. What can I tell you? Because yeah. I speak to I speak to him and his wife all the time. Yeah. Listen, his wife's a sweetheart. Yeah. She, you know, she got health issues. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Let's be honest. But, let's, you know, let's listen. I maybe AJ, it's a blessing for AJ. A little less grief in his life. Well, let's not. He doesn't necessarily have to seek him out to to reintroduce like drama. Who knows my number? Drama, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, like I said, when I, when I was when I was toying with the idea of having um, my retirement show, there would have been there, there would have been a reunion between Vito and Frankie and Anthony. Wait, wait, wait! Is this on. is this not yeah. happening again? No, I'm not going to do it. Because I I heard I'm rumor. Saying. I I was excited to attend the roast. I love a good roast, and I know you were planning a roast, <laughs> and I was I was gonna, I was definitely going to do a roast. Listen. Will it absolutely not happen? Never say never when it comes to me and anything to do with wrestling. Okay? But I, I just, my, my feeling is why spend the money right. to have a show that's, that's not going to make the money back? Um, you know, I'd rather, just, I'd rather just go ahead and put the money in toward a really nice vacation for myself. That's you're, um, you're finally, you've <laughs> finally come to your senses after all these years of promoting uh, fucking wrestling. You know, it's, well, it's not that. I know. I'm just there's kidding. There's guys that, there's guys, Ben, that, you know, you, uh, that I would book that wouldn't be appreciative. That wouldn't give a shit. They would be there just yep. for the payday. Yep. And quite frankly, it's like, you know what? I don't need to be paying you money. Right. Look, I already went through yeah. a thing where I had where where I put a lot of money behind one guy, and he was ungrateful, and I ended up not using him, you know. And um, and are, I, I just don't not, deal with the bullshit. Are we not naming names here 
Uh, all of a sudden, I guess you're not naming names. <laughs> no, I'm sure Anthony's going to bring up his name. I said to Anthony, if he brings up his name, I'll go into the story. Well, I, I do have a little uh, little word game here. I'm going to I'll name a guy, and you tell you I'll name someone, and you tell us uh, what's your what's your first thoughts are with them. Oh boy! So I'm I'm going to start hot and heavy here. Nate Abuda Dean. Yes. Wow. That's the okay. first one. I mean, so, you've already, you've already what, triggered what you me, like, let alone Howard. I mean, come on. So, so what would you like me to tell you about, tell you about Snake Master? No, I just, you, what are your thoughts? I, 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 okay, I so. Like you have something to say. Well, yeah. So, look, I know Jeff since probably 1988, thereabouts. <clears throat> so, uh so there's a couple of things. I haven't spoken to Jeff in a couple of years, um, and there's a reason why. And, and I can get into the reason why, uh, and if you want, I'll, I'll tell the story of what happened. Uh, up to you. You want me to tell you why I'm not speaking to him? It's up to you. Okay, so Jeff very frequently puts these pictures of himself online with fans, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, and Jeff had a picture of himself with a young lady, uh, underage, and it was kind of a creepy looking photo. Okay. So I sent Jeff not, a message. Wait a minute. Said, hey, not all the ones with him and, and that fifth, that 12 year old, 14, 16 year old kid, uh, with those, both of them with no shirt on at the pool. More creepy than that. Um, I haven't seen that one, but it probably was. <laughs> Pretty close. I mean, the so, kid's name rhymes with Hogan. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Go ahead. Okay. So anyway, so, so Jeff has this picture with him and this young female. And I contact him. I go, Jeff. I said, why don't you take that photo down? So it's like, why? I said, because honestly, I said, you look like a freaking pedophile in this photo. I said, and people who don't know you are going to take this out of context. How could you say that? You know I'm so against that. I said, I'm saying people who don't know you. And he starts going on and on. And for the next, like, three or four days, he, like, is making all these comments online. And I finally just said, uh, you know what? I had enough. And I just blocked him. But, you know, I never the reality story. is... You know, the reality is I'm not the only one that thought that because, no, no. because I know a couple of people. I know exactly the picture. And there were internal discussions amongst many of us of, oh, my God, look at that picture. What the fuck is he thinking? So, this so comes like, off wrong. So it's like, yeah, so it's like, look, I'm not saying you're a pedophile, Jeff. I'm just saying people who don't know you are going to take that out of context and they're going to make an assumption that's wrong and you don't need the grief. Um, as a friend, I'm just advising you to take the damn thing down. And instead, he got very defensive about it and, you know, defended himself while he should keep it there. So it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I, I can't be, you know, I can't try to police people, you know, or be a thought police person. because That's not me. But it's like, look, I gave you advice. You don't want to take it. But instead, you want to attack me over it. Then that's fine. Attack me over it. You were just looking but, out you know, for him. You know, you if if you've got the vibe, you know other people are going to have the vibe. Of course, right. and and I know him, right. and I know how he feels about certain things. Right. Okay, and I know you know. Look, there's things that happened in his past that I know 
you know, why he reacts to certain things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I admire him for that. But if somebody who is your friend is telling you and giving you advice on something, at least, at least pay listen. attention to right. it. You know? Right. Um, I, I'm not doing it to hurt the guy. I'm doing it to help the guy. <clears throat> but, you know, what, what used to really blow me away is, and, and, uh, and a couple of the guys know this because I've said this to them privately. It's like, you know, Jim Barcelona is a very good guy, okay? And he does um, press from uh, the Miami Herald. And he's a great guy, big friend of the wrestling business, friend that been friend, uh, very friendly towards any of the promotions that I've done. We love him. Very supportive. We love Jim. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Now, the, the problem is, is Jim has been bamboozled by Jeff and others who have created this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the best way. They created this legend where the legend doesn't belong. Okay? Oh. Jeff Gardner, okay, Snake Master Jeff, was never part of the old territory, the Florida Championship Wrestling, or Championship Wrestling from Florida. He was friends with Kevin Sullivan. He came out with Kevin a few times, okay? Not even a lot of times, maybe a half a dozen times in the entire entire run of Championship Wrestling from Florida. Just the timing to get that famous photo with woman and him. Yeah, and well, because it, it, yeah, yeah. it made the magazine. Right. You know, there's also a guy by the name of William Blue who's in, the, in those photos with, with them. You know, um, and and Blue, as everybody used to call him, you know, uh, Blue actually was at my very first wrestling show. He was a manager. We called him Famous Amos. He gave out chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> we had him dressed up. <laughs> You know, we, we, you know, we, we did, we did some, we did some fun things, you know, but it's like Jeff's snake master character came out with, you know, Kevin a couple of times. And that was kind of like Kevin saying, thank you. Why? Because, um, you know, uh, Jeff had the, um, uh, the local, whatever the hell it was, the, with reptiles, he had all these snakes. So when Kevin would come to town, he would bring you know he'd bring one or two of his snakes to the show. Right. Uh, the... Kevin would use them at ringside when he was doing that whole gimmick. Um, you know, and sometimes he would have Jeff, you know, dress up and come out with him to handle snakes, so he wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, he had to worry about his opponent doing a crash start or whatever. You know, or Nancy was with him or whatever the hell it was. Um. Uh, and and that's how he got, you know, his claim to fame, you know. But, you know, Jeff's real claim to fame was he was friends with all the boys because uh, of his, the entertainment factor that Jeff would provide to them. Let's put it that way. It's the cleanest way that I can. Yeah, recreational entertainment. Yeah, re- 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 he would provide some recreational entertainment yeah. um, for the boys. Well, can I jump and, in here? Because I, me, come... Coming to the general scene after Jeff's kind of been flown around here and per- per- perpetrated this kind of heightened sense of whatever that he was more involved with the scene than he was. Um, also, Marco uh, spent like a year and a half training really hard with uh, Sullivan while he was here. They would go to the gym together all the time. And one day Marco asked him about all this. And Sullivan kind of set him straight how, yeah, Jeff's Jeff's a blip on the radar, basically. You know, we just, 
you know, all the things you said, but it was from the mouth of Kevin Sullivan to Marco. Yeah. So uh, it kind yeah, of. Well, conf- well, we knew yeah. that. Well, well, we knew that. And um, now Marco's an interesting character, by the way. <laughs> and, and, and I can tell you about that in, in, in a second because, you know, um, I wanted Marco to be part of Ring Warriors when we were first starting, when we were first putting our first TV together. And, and he actually turned me down. Uh, which was sad because he was uh, he had a good look to him. He was a good worker, good good local worker. Could have uh, could have done really something with him. I think um, I think but, he's only happy when he's miserable, and I think he's got a self destructive <clears throat> streak. He does not want to succeed, so uh, he he you know it's a it's a trait a lot of people have, and uh, and I love the guy, but at the same time I see it in him, and uh, and I, I and your what you're saying rings as true as anything. You know, mm-hmm. from knowing well, him, you know. Well, it's, it's sad because I, I thought he had a real good... Because um, he never worked on any of my shows. Right. He never worked on any of the Ring Warriors shows. But I always, you know, when I would see him on the FOW shows, I really, I, I liked his look. I liked his work rate. I thought he was good in the ring. He, you know, he, he looked he looked legit, you know. And, and it's hard to get people, especially on from the local level, that really look legit that they deserve to be in the ring. And I thought he did, and I thought with the right opportunity, he could actually have a spot that could develop into something. But, no, just wasn't meant to be, not with us at the time, anyway. Right. Um, But anyway, so, you know, so the thing with Jeff is like, look, and I know he's gone through some really horrible health issues in the last probably six months or so. You know, I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he recuperates and, you know, nothing further happens with him, you know, health-wise, but, you know, it was like this perpetuated rib of him being the South Florida legend that really just didn't exist. It was something that was made up. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, and this is kind of like a part two, so Bruce, everybody knows Bruce Owens, right? Bruce Michael. Mm-hmm. So Bruce Owens, I know Bruce for 40 years, give or take. Um, so, Bruce was one of my referees when we shot our very first television for the Wild Women of Wrestling in 1990 at the War Memorial Auditorium. It was Bruce, uh, uh, Bruce Joe Popejoy, uh, John Massandria. Um, who else was our referees? I think that was it. I think we had three referees. Um, yeah, it was, and it was pretty much Bruce, Bruce was the like head referee. So a few few years ago, I see a picture from backstage at the War Memorial. Now, the night we shot our television, Buddy Rogers shows up, and Buddy Rogers, you know, lived in the area, and he actually wanted to get on our TV. Uh, and and if Bruno didn't tell me not to put him on, I would have put him on. And I'm not talking about Bruno Sassi. I'm talking about Bruno San Martino because I had Bruno. San Martino and Bill Cardell. Uh, well, it was Bruno San Martino and Bill Cardell were my play-by-play and color guy for my TV. Okay, and uh, a buddy shows up, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I could have Buddy Rogers as a manager that would so legitimize some of these women, you know? And Bruno's like, you know, if you put him on the show, I don't want any part of it. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess Buddy Rogers is not going to be part of it. So I didn't book him. But while he was backstage, I know Buddy took some photos. He took like a photo with 
him and Howard Baum and and um, and Bruce Owens took a picture with him and Buddy. A few years ago, I'm online on Facebook and I see the picture taken backstage at the War Memorial of Bruce with Buddy Rogers. And Bruce writes a picture of me and Buddy Rogers taken backstage at Madison Square Garden. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, Anthony will... It's like Bruce. It's like Bruce. Are you, are you really? Are you really telling people that? You know, and I called. That is and true called Bruce him, you know? fashion, though. True Bruce fashion. Anthony will. You know, I called Bruce. I I called Bruce out on it. It's like, look, who the hell else is going to know? It's something that happened. You know, it's something that happened forty years ago. You know, thirty years ago. Nobody's going to know that unless you were there and you happened to know what was going on. Because we dressed our referees up. In, in, just like WWF used to for Madison Square Garden in their biggest shows, the guys would be in the powder blue shirts and bow ties. Right. So from a referee perspective, Bruce technically could have been refereeing a WWF show that night. You know, they didn't have the, the, the logo on their shirts or anything at the time. It was just the plain blue shirt with the bow tie. And so he posted that on there. And then when he wrote that for Madison Square Garden, it was like, dude, come on. Howard. <laughs> it's like, Anthony will yeah. will attest to this. Every yeah. time we tell a story that involves Bruce Owens, we preface it by saying we love Bruce, but he's completely full of shit. Every time. Every time. Well, every time. You just never know if it's true or not. Never know. <laughs>